Hey, my name is Ricky Mendez, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, today's guest is one of my favorite humans to be around because he is on a mission to solve the world's happiness problem. That man is Ricky Mendez. When you hang out with him, you cannot help yourself but feel good about hearing how grateful he is for everything in life. Ricky has found his success by being mentored by such people as David Meltzer, Lisa and Tom Bilyeu, Dave Asaroff, and many others on the ability to change people's perspective on their situations. Ricky comes in and talks to us about how he can create more success by simply changing the state and language that he lives in. One of my favorite things about Ricky is what he's working on right now. He is writing kids books that are filled with positive and empowering words to create leadership at a younger age. And he's also incorporating a one-for-one model with it, where every time somebody buys a book, he'll be donating another one to an orphanage. Ricky also shares an incredible story about how he helped one girl get connected to her childhood hero and how special that moment truly was for him. You won't be able to listen to this episode without feeling absolutely motivated and inspired to practice gratitude and just be absolutely grateful for everything in your life. I hope you're prepared to turn on your positivity as you bring you our friend, Ricky Mendez. Ricky Mendez, man, I am so stoked that you are here. Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast. How are you, my friend? Awesome. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Oh, so stoked about this conversation. We've met multiple different times. You bring the heat, you bring the fire, you bring the energy, you bring the gratitude, Mr. Gratitude. And I'm really excited to dive into this conversation. I want to start off with talking big. So your mission is to basically solve the world's happiness problem. What? <laughs> that is like the epitome of going big to get big. Walk us through how you came up with that mission and how the heck you tackle it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I love the name of your podcast. And it's interesting because I think when we go big, we have to start small. I think if we, and that really just started with, it was amazing when you would just literally smile at somebody. It sounds corny and trite, but it's corny and trite because it's true. You can literally smile at somebody and just change their entire day just with a freaking smile. And I don't, that might sound utopic or woo woo. That is literally, just go try it. That's what I ask people to do. Go try it. Go smile at people, see what you get back. And really where that came from, I have a lot of mentors in the space. And the more I chatted with people, it was about, look, the, the, the bullshit's going to come. It's how do we convert it from negative to positive? And so that's one of the things is to help solve the world's happiness problem. It's really, in my opinion, just on a small scale over a long enough timeline with just small little, I call them prosperity hacks or brain hacks and things like that. Because I think we're, we take more pills than we've ever taken and we're sicker than we've ever been. And, and nothing against 
any medication or anything, you need to take that, take it. But I think we rush to it without looking at some other solutions potentially. So what are some of those solutions? Like, I, I get that it's great to, to smile at somebody and make eye contact and support in small ways like that. Talking about your mission, you can only smile at 100 people a day, maybe, or unless you're speaking on stages with thousands, you're still not talking to billions. How do you get to that point of creating happiness globally? Yeah, I, and I think it starts with simplistic beauty. So if anybody's listening to this, you got ears that work. If you're watching a piece of this, you got eyes that work. Either we take for granted so many of the simple things, like all of us, we woke up today, we got a pulse. How many people had goals and dreams yesterday that didn't wake up today? And we did, and we're going to waste it by going around and bitching and complaining. What about the great things that we do have that we can really build off of? So I really have a choice every single day. I can go down the rabbit hole of bitching and complaining. I can go down the rabbit hole of, but I woke up, I have a pulse, I have a chance, I can do great things. I have greatness within me today. And it's amazing which people take the first path. So I think it just starts with just sharing that. I, For me personally, they people always say, oh, it's just Rick. He's just positive. He's just that guy. And I always say, no, asshole, I work on it. It's a skill set, just like everything else. I work on it literally every single day. I have 50 plus little brain hacks or prosperity hacks in my arsenal to use when the bullshit comes so I can take that bad negative energy and turn it into positive energy. So I think it's just a skill set. I think the more we talk about it and the more that we're vulnerable about that, we all have crap days then we can really start to change the, the grade of how people look to transition from that. And you're really talking about like gratitude as a pillar around that. Yeah. And I, I think the thing about gratitude is it's, in my opinion, it's a master emotion. It completely changes perspective, but people don't use it when the shit comes. People use it when it's rainbows and ice cream out there and everything's great. It's easy to be grateful when everything's going well, when the family's good, the friends are good, the work's good, the money's good, the finances are good. It's easy. Use it when the challenges come. And now I start to develop a skill set. I always say, if you're going to get in shape, if anybody ever played on a sports team, men, women, or whatever, and you run hills, do they tell you to run uphill? Do they tell you to run downhill? Using gratitude when it's only rainbows and ice cream out there is saying, hey, this Prius gets 60 miles per the gallon, but we tested it going downhill in neutral. It's not really a true testament of that skill set, nor how to develop it. That's hilarious. What's some of the impact that you've seen from people or yourself even around that energy conversion from maybe having a shit day to focusing on the, the gratitude in the moment around that? And how does that impact somebody's life long term? I think it only impacts them long-term if they use it on a small scale. So I don't care if they use it maybe once a day, twice a day, and then there can be anything. One of my favorite ones is if anybody knows Viktor Frankl, uh, the quick story of him is he was in a death camp in Auschwitz and I think his mother, his father, and his wife were burned alive. Like the most inhumane, unfathomable thing ever to happen in human history ever. And then just put it that perspective to what is going on in my life. If he got out of a death camp, and he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And he said that book, credit his for actually making it out alive. What am I complaining about? So that little brain hack is whatever I'm going through, is this a Viktor Frankl problem? No, it's not. That's one of my skill sets that I've worked with to stop my complaining. It stops my complaining and bitching in its tracks. Now I can refocus and go on. And maybe that one day doesn't work, or I have, but I have tons of them that I just use constantly because I have an awareness, I feel, that of when I start bitching and complaining, I'm looking right in front of me and my wall. It's pictures of all the people that I really look up to. And it says, what would your mentor do? 
So when I start bitching and complaining, I can look at the wall. I can say, hey, what would Tom do? What would John do? What would Lisa do? What would, what would Mel do? And all of those things, I can really start to just choose a different path, I think. So it really is a skill set to be able to use when the shit comes. Man, you, I remember the first time I heard you deliver a keynote and you said, is this a Viktor Frankl problem? And I was just like, that's it. It doesn't get much simpler than that. You just ask yourself that question. You turn around and like, is my problem that bad? And I didn't want to overlook that because that was probably one of the most simplistic, easy things that you can ask yourself to change your perspective in a split second. And I absolutely love that. And I know something you're proud of that you've created is a gratitude poem. And so many people, again, underestimate the power of their brain and gratitude. What did creating that poem do for you mentally? And how has it pushed you continuously? Because I believe you still use it today to continue doing it years and years later. Yeah. So it, it, that was the biggest thing is I still remember this. I was on a plane and I, I, I hate screaming babies on a plane. Let me rephrase that. I have a massive challenge of hearing a screaming baby on a plane. So it would just drive me nuts. A red eye flight from LA to Boston or LA to Miami or New York or wherever. And just the baby, like I can sleep like a baby on a plane. And then when I'm going to sleep, they dim the lights down. And then a baby starts wailing behind my ear. It just drove me insane. So I remember people had talking about neurochemistry and neuroplasticity and the energy that you're taking. We're all electric, we're all energetic. And it's really just changing that neurochemical experience. So I said, I am grateful, period, for the screaming baby on the plane, period, because it means that I can hear. And I thought of all the deaf people that would be like, Ricky, I wish I could hear that screaming baby. And it just it literally changed me to the point where I was almost emotional on the plane. It's never really bothered me again. And that little piece right there was where I used that the first side of the gratitude poem was all the things that people are usually bitching and complaining about. So it teaches me how to convert energy on the next side. Now it's all the easy stuff to be grateful for. So I like to use it as a skill set to develop a skill set that I can use, not when it's rainbows and ice cream out there, when it's tough, when it's challenging. We find out who we are when adversity comes. We find out who we are, who's in our corner, and what we're made out of through the tough times. If we all think of that quote, strength grows through struggle, let's not just post that shit on Instagram. Let's actually live by it. If strength goes through struggle, then I should be grateful for the struggles because they're teaching me something. Yeah, man. You're absolutely right. And I think you talk a lot about this on the gratitude side of things, but you also said that you've got 50 other hacks. Like a big part of what you preach is mental fitness. Why talk about it so passionately? Yeah, I think it's just because I think when I started, I would just share little things with people. They would actually do them. And I try to keep them as simple as possible. I make this joke all the time. My full name is Ricardo Alberto Mendez. I got a C minus in college Spanish class. So I'm not the brightest bulb out there, but I can follow direction. Like I can, I got to keep it simple and the confused mind will say no. So the more that we complicate simplicity, which I think we all, we do a lot, everybody included, myself included, we do that in life, I think a lot. So as long as I can keep it simple and implementatable, so I can keep doing it over a long time frame, that's really where it, it kind of started to come in from and just keeping something super simple so I can do it again and again and think of any skill set that you've ever developed came from practice. So if I can do it over and over and over again, then I get better and better at it. And what better way, in my opinion, to really start to see whatever you want to call it, the positive side, the silver lining, the seed of equivalent benefit. If I do that again and again, man, I'm going to see the world under a different light. If I see the world in a different light, in my opinion, 
a whole world of opportunity opens up, networks, relationships, business, my health, everything. So it's, man, why not? It's free to everybody. Why not use it on a consistent basis every day? Oh, because we wake up, we pick up our phones, we get programmed by other people, we go down the wrong rabbit hole again and again. We're going to develop a habit one way or another. I can develop a habit that sucks or I can develop a habit that's awesome. I'll choose awesome. Yeah, you're basically talking about the compound effect of stacking habits. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like for, for most of our audience being like entrepreneurs wanting to get to that next level financially so they can get to that next level, being able to have greater impact on the world. What are some like daily um, or weekly, monthly habits that we can stack that are going to build that mental toughness to be able to push through more of those struggles and be grateful for those struggles, as you said, to be able to like almost want that struggle to get to that next level? Yeah, I think when the shit comes, just take a breath, man. Like, just relax for a second. When the shit comes, it's just to have, because it's slow for me, it slows the game down. Now I have an awareness. All right, I am feeling anxious, stressed, or whatever because of this. And then for me, I'm going to go devour, me personally, I, some of my biggest mentors are Tom Bilyeu, John Asraf, David Meltzer. I'm just going to go devour their content. I'm going to stop myself in my tracks. I'm going to go devour their content. Now I've done it so much, I can literally hear them in my head. So that's where all those skills come from, or skill sets or brain hacks come from. So the first thing is to have the awareness of I'm going through shit. It's not just me because people think when they screw up, they're the only person in the fucking world that screwed up. No, by the way, everybody's screwing up. Everybody's jacked up. But we don't normalize it because people are thinking like they never share the, the struggles. Everything's in a freaking playful world, Instagram, everybody's crushing it. Everybody's making billions. Everybody's happy. Bullshit. Everybody's going through struggles. So when we can normalize them like, man, this is normal. I'm going through this just like anybody else. Now, what can I do about it? So for me personally, it just slows the game down. When the challenges come, slow the game down. For me, I like to devour content of people that I like, know, and trust that are in that space. And I can basically make myself feel better. I can self-empower myself. And one of those that I like is another one I think I share with you guys, but it's make an album on your phone that says, I am great. When somebody has thanked you, everybody has been thanked, said they did a good job for X, Y, and Z, whatever it is in the life, business, relationships. Somebody has told you, thank you, or job well done in some arena of your life. But we don't use it. Thank you cards. We give thank you cards that we never keep them. So I always like to keep those. I screenshot those on my phone. I make a phone, an album that says, I am great, which is going to feel weird because people aren't used to saying I am great. What they're used to saying is I suck. I'm brutal. I wasted. I screwed up. But make an album that says, I am great. Put those screenshots in the album. So when the shitstorm comes, I have something tangible that I can read. I can remember my greatness in me. It changes my neurochemistry. It changes my state. And then I can look and deal with the problem, in my opinion, under a more productive lens to keep going on the path that I want to go. Man, there's so much gold to unpack there. One of the things that you mentioned in there was some of your mentors. And I know that is something you preach, speak, and yell to the world is just how powerful mentors are. And you mentioned you, you mentor underneath David Meltzer and Tom and Lisa Bill, you, and you do some great stuff, but you also believe that mentors come in all forms, shapes, and sizes. They can be young, old, just starting out or doing there. And you've and created some incredible mentorships along the way with people that might surprise some, some of our audience. So who are some of your mentors today that maybe aren't as prolific as the David Meltzer's and Tom Bilyeu's? 
Yeah, and you're exactly right. I just wrote that down. This is why I love doing this stuff because when you're collaborate or synergize, you learn. I love that phrase, yell to the world. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Thanks. But I think a mentor can be alive, dead, older, younger. It doesn't matter. If they empower you and make your life better, to me, that's a mentor. So, yeah, the Tom Billyus, the Lisa Billyus, the Meltzers, the Asrafs, all those people have had such a huge impact. Jack Canfield, a lot of women mentors over the last probably two years have been massively influential in my life. Mel Robbins, Shanda Sumter, Lisa Nichols. And when I started working with kids, I think some of the greatest mentors are kids. If you just ask them some questions, you will be amazed of what they say. So Brighton Hatter, Cole Hatter's daughter, is a big mentor of mine. She's 10 now. One of my biggest mentors, Carolina Pratsenko, she's 13. She plays the electric violin and she has probably two of the best sayings that I've ever heard. I asked her, do you think it's important to have goals? She said, yes, they're young. It's a one word answer. So I got to dig a little bit. And I said, why do you think it's important to have goals? And she looks around, she thinks, and this was her words, not mine. If you have goals, you can grow up and be better than what you were. And I was like, that's probably the best definition of goal setting I've ever heard. It's so simplistic. And people think I tell her what to say, but she's so great that she just, it's amazing the things that will come out of a child's mouth. If we start to direct them in the right questioning. I asked her what she's grateful for. She knew what the word meant. I told her something you're thankful for makes you feel good, blah, blah, blah. And I said, what are you grateful for? She said, I'm grateful that I can come out here and make my own money and make other people happy with my music. She's 13. At the time when she said that, she was 10. <laughs> so I think some of the mentors can be, we just don't look at them in that space. We always think the mentors got to make more money than us, got to be older than us, which don't get me wrong, that's great, but they can come in so many different shapes and sizes if we just have the right lens on. That's so cool. And on top of mentoring, I know that's awesome, but you've also been able to connect a lot of people and put a lot of dots together through your mentoring kids and a lot of those spaces. What's a cool opportunity that you've had through some connections, either to connect somebody or be connected to? Yeah, without question, Carolina, just maybe take a couple minutes here, but let me give you a quick backstory. When I met her when she was 10 years old, her biggest mentor is Lindsay Sterling, plays the violin, massive YouTube name. She's, she goes, does an event. She gets paid 50, 100 grand, I think, for the event. Just a huge name in that space, entertainment. And so she went to a concert. Carolina's family, they just moved from the Ukraine and they didn't have enough money to get a VIP. So Carolina made her a homemade Christmas card. And it was, she wanted to give the card to Lindsay. So they ran, ran, ran. And at the end of the show, they tried to give the card to a uh, security guard. The security said, I can't take it. I'm like, man, that's kid's 10 years old. Just take the card and say, you can't give it to Lindsay. So she was crushed. She kept on the card and she was really bummed. Since her mom told me that, I was like, I got a pretty extensive network. I'm going to get to Lindsay some way, shape or form. I asked everybody for whatever reason, no one in my network get me to her. Recently, it took three years. Three years, I asked Carolina. I, I got her on the Kelly Clarkson show. Kelly Clarkson has interviewed Lindsay Sterling. So Carolina went on the Lindsay, uh, Carolina went on the Kelly Clarkson show. Lindsay surprised her as a guest. She got to meet her mentor for the first time and give her the Christmas card that she wasn't able to three years ago. And she was, she was always crying and it was cool for Lindsay. It was cool for Kelly. And, and I was able to quarterback and facilitate that. That was probably one of the biggest ones that I, that kind of got me emotional for sure. 
if that doesn't inspire anyone to go bigger with their dreams and goals, I don't know what it is. Like, how cool is that? That because you've leveled up your game, you made some incredible connections that you were able to help somebody else that wasn't able to get those connections. Had you not played at such a big level, you might not have been able to help that person out in that space. It didn't cost you anything. It cost you time and effort and energy, but you didn't have to come out of pocket for that. And to me, that is the, one of the most inspirational things to see from you is just how much you love to give and how much you love to see people succeed. So kudos to you, man. That's a really cool story. Thank you, man. And I'll, I'll, let me touch on that too, because people ask me this all the time, like just full disclosure, I didn't get anything from that except for fulfillment, which is massive, right? It was a pain in the ass because Carolina doesn't have a manager. So I was a manager. For, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I was dealing with so many emails and it was legitimately a pain in the ass. So worth it to see her smile and get so excited to see Lindsay. So I think that speaks to, look, I don't know how my ROI, number one, was emotionally in some way, shape or form. That ROI is going to come back to me tenfold. I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know when. But I think we get so caught up in what's in it for me, which is you have to fill your cup up first. But at the same time, I think there's a huge opportunity for us to learn how to give without getting something always immediate in return. Because I think something we do something nice for somebody and then it's almost like we're looking at our soft thought, okay, what's in it for me now? I need my I need somebody to do something for me. When we let go of that, I think it enhances the whole experience for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you aren't just totally turned on by making somebody's dream come true. Get out of here. <laughs> and going bigger to have more network, to have more income, to have more skill sets, whatever it may be, I think opens up more of those opportunities for more of those moments to make dreams come true and to help people in that regard. And so the question I want to ask you is like, when you hear the phrase, go big to give big, what does that mean to you? I, I think it, it speaks to that kind of give to give. We can't give what we don't have. I'm sure you guys run into this all the time, but everybody's saying, I want to help people. I want to give to charity. I want to contribute. I want to do this. I want to give. I want to give. We well, can't give what you don't have. So in order to give big, you have to go big, right? So I think that's such a huge part of it. And I think it speaks to fill your cup up first, feed the world with what overflows. I could have done all that stuff with Carolina if I wasn't at least somewhat in a good position with my network, my finance, I mean, it took a lot of time. So I spent a lot of time, which means I'm not working on my business, but my cup for the most part is filled so I can give from other from people. So to get, to go big, to give big, it's such a necessity. Everybody raised their hands says, I want to give, I want to give. So it's almost forcing people like, look, take care of yourself first, then you can give big. So I like how that comes first. That's what it means to me is really understanding that once I get myself going, then I can give to other people. When I start having passive income streams, when my health is in order, when my network is in order, my relationships are in order, then I have all the resources that I need to be able to do great things for other people. But I don't think it happens until you do great things for yourself. And similar to what you were talking about in terms of like habit stacking for your mental fitness, you can imply the same you know, methodology into giving too. And like the bigger that your company goes or the bigger that you're reaching, habit stacking in that type of regard, it can help you give more too. And any idea, I don't know how quantifiable this is, but how has becoming successful helped you in your philanthropic endeavors? I think for me, it's number one, I'm nowhere where I am going or will be. But as the growth and process has come, it's given me like a belief stack. And 
the whole belief stack of, look, I can do it. I think the, the greatest thing is when I can give something to somebody else, time, energy, or money, it really shows other people an example of that. So that kind of stacking for me is just, it gives me this belief. That belief is transferable through when you talk to somebody, when you bring it up in conversation. And I think that's where it starts with everybody else is belief in themselves. So if I can have that self-belief and that stacking in myself, that's transferable without even me mentioning it. People will see it quantifiably with whether I donate or whatever, whether my business donates or whatever, they'll be able to see that. And then I think they're on conversation. If he can do it, so can I. I think that's where it can start is that belief to be able to grow into that. Someone who's intentional about gratitude. We've both mentored underneath Cole Hatter, and he talks a lot about how there should be no business out there that doesn't have some sort of giving component to it, or everyone should have some sort of giving component to your life. In what capacity does giving and gratitude come together? I think when everybody says they, I want to give, I want to give, I want to give, and they can't give what we don't have, we can't have until, in my opinion, we're grateful for it because two things are going to happen. If you make a bunch of money, but it's not leading to fulfillment and you're just chasing money, number one, it's not going to be long lasting. And even if it is, it's not going to be fulfilling. So I think it teaches us to really, when we are grateful in our own sense, it sets us up to be able to give more for many different reasons, whether it be financially, whether it be mentally, emotionally, spiritually, with support, whatever it is. I think when we're in a better place like that mentally, now we can give a whole array of things, number one. Two, it's going to feel better. Flat out, it's going to feel better. And we hear about this all the time. Tom says it all the time. If you're just going to chase money, you're in the wrong rabbit hole, in in my opinion. Because it's not, even if you do get the money, you're going to find out that it's unfulfilling. There's a story of Jack Canfield. I, I don't know if it was him or somebody else, but there was a guy who, was super rich, ultra net worth, high individual, whatever, and just kept buying stuff. And then he wasn't happy. So he'd buy more stuff and he wasn't happy. So he'd buy more stuff. And it went on for years. And somebody asked him, I think it was like to go to a third world country and provide wheelchairs for kids who couldn't walk or whatever. And so he didn't really understand why he was going. And when he was leaving, he had some little kid like tug at his, his pants and say, I just, before he left, I want to memorize your face. You're the face of reason why my sister can get around now. And it was like that. And, and the guy broke down, of course. And, and I remember this being a true story. And it was just like, he got it. You know what I mean? So there's a whole different stratosphere that goes far beyond money. But the gratitude basis is, in my opinion, the foundation of it. Because without it, even if the money is, I don't think the money will be long lasting. But even if it is, you're not going to feel good about it. Ricky, you're a international keynote speaker, your mentor, coach, you're already doing big things and you're already creating a lot of impact. You're already giving back. You're already making good money. What's next for Ricky Mendez and what is ultimately the mark you want to make on this earth? Yeah, I am amped about, I am giving my first keynote to elementary kids and middle school kids. And my first children's book should be out in the fall. That's what I am super excited about. And I think it's, we're living in the greatest time in human history to be alive. I've said that for two years since COVID started, we'll never have a time like this to acquire new skills, build new relationships, and really expand our minds and business possibilities. So that for me is, I wouldn't have been doing this if it weren't for COVID. 
So I think that's an opportunity for me to be in a space that there isn't a whole lot of people in, if any. So it's something that's I'm going to dive down that rabbit hole and, and work with more kids and really, I feel, develop leadership on an empathetic level with really young minds. That's inspiring. And what first question is, I think you mentioned that your book has some sort of purpose of giving behind it, if you want to just touch on what that is. Yeah, real simple. Thanks to Cole and, and this for purpose kind of structure. When anybody buys one, we'll give one away to an orphanage. So the idea is I maybe go to some big corporations or small corporations, or whatever, and donate a whole bunch of books to orphanages when they invest in their and really, and I think their employee, because the idea is, look, if the employee is from 23 years old to 73 years old, and they either have kids, grandkids, or know people that have kids, and they buy the book and then bring it home, it's not so much just for the kid. It's to force a different dialogue between parent and child, aunt and child, uncle and child, to force them to really discuss what does gratitude mean to you? When was the last time somebody asked you that question and really facilitated that conversation? So that's the, the idea behind it. But that's the for-purpose aspect of it. It's real simple. Just buy one and we donate one to an orphanage. In the sense of Dr. Seuss and Green Eggs and Ham and how influential you can take any book and make it influential. I know that's a gift you have. <laughs> what is your book going to be about and what do you hope the outcome is from that book? Yeah. So the, the book is the main characters are quokka. So if people don't know what the quokka is, it's a small animal uh, the, and it lives off Australia, a small island off the um, Western part of Australia, Perth. It's the happiest animal on the planet. It's a wild animal that will come up to you and just mimic your facial features. So if you Google quokka, you can't help but smile. So it's Q-U-A, no, Q-U-O-K-A. So the book's about a quokka and the quokka goes through a lot of different challenges has a mentor. The mentor is a girl, is a woman, and she teaches Grayson, Grateful Grayson, the quokka, how to shift perspective and go through the challenges, like little things like getting through a cut from the soccer time, soccer team that's little to us, but at the age of a six, eight, nine-year-old, getting cut from a team can be extremely detrimental. So Millie, the mentor, teaches Grateful Grayson how to shift perspective to keep going on his path to the goals and dreams that he wants. And we can write a whole bunch of them. So the idea is kind of model chicken soup for the soul, chicken soup for the soul, second cup of chicken soup for the sports soul. So grateful Grayson for the depressed kid, grateful Grayson for the divorced kid, grateful Grayson for all these different type of genres that we can do. Oh, and it's and all in rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to read it myself. And, and I'd love for you to take a second and speak directly to the parents of these kids. What is the impact going to have on the parents' lives as well as the relationship with the kids? I think it's clear for us to see like the education for five-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old, that's clear. But for us as already set in our ways type of thing, how is this type of conversation going to change us as parents? Yeah, I think number one, I'm not a parent. So first and foremost, it's funny. So I've never been married and I don't have kids, but I wrote a children's book. For me, I believe that when a kid's mind doesn't stop developing until we're 25. So think of that mind or the brain of a child at 11, 12, 9, 8, whatever. We can unlock the superpower within that kid. And I don't think there's anything more powerful than an optimistic child's mind, not a naive child's mind, an optimistic child's mind that can grow strength through taking challenging situations or negative energy and turning into positive. So I think when a 
parent sees that, and I've known this from literally having parents stand next to me and me interviewing their kids and their kids giving answers and their parents being like, they're covering their mouths and their jaws are dropping because they can't believe what their kid is actually saying because it's awesome. So really when that kind of superpower is unlocked from a child, having the parent witness that and really having the child inspire the parent, I think that's where, I think the kids are not just somebody to be inspired, but they can also be inspiring to the parents. So I think it unlocks a whole different energy within the family unit to live a better life and be a better example. Amen to that, man. And you said that paraphrasing, but like optimism is a superpower. And I think it's absolutely infectious when children, anybody younger than me (laughs) is so optimistic about one thing or another, or just has this brilliant idea and just so curious about it. And for me, 34 years old, I find that infectious for sure and inspiring. But just before we transition into our rapid fire giving round, I want you to take a second and brag on yourself for a sec and just tell us a bit of a story. One of your favorite moments of giving that just absolutely speaks to your heart and still gives you goosebumps when you think about it. Yeah, I would say it's funny. So I do a random act of kindness each month and probably one of the biggest ones was one of the smallest monetary ones. And I remember being in, what I would do is I would go up to the cashier and I would uh, say, Hey, that when that person comes up, I'm going to, I'm going to pay for them. So just tell them that they have a, a free lunch or dinner or whatever breakfast, and just don't tell them who it's from. And selfishly, I always set my camera up like to get their reaction. And I, they never know it's me. I just for sell, and I don't post it online. I, I maybe I have one or twice. But for really, it's to go in my, I'm great, I'm great on to make me feel better when, that, when I'm down. And there was one time, I think I was in Atlanta. And this woman, I still can see it. She's in yellow. I do have it on here. And she was told that she had this, the lunch was like $7. It was like $7.36, I think what it was, something like just minuscule. And she was so happy. <laughs> she was like, what? <laughs> she was like, and she went like this. She's like, for me? And it was, I never met her. I never knew who she was. It was really, in the grand scheme of things, insignificant in terms of the dollar amount and those types of things. But I remember doing it and just being like, holy shit, just the smallest things can change the entire trajectory of the day. So if it can do that, what can it do for the week, the month, the year, the life? And I still remember that. So even though it was really small on the monetary end, and I don't even know this woman, it's, it's still stuck with me. I'm like, man, the little things freaking matter. That's beautiful, man. And it reminds me of something that I did around Christmas time where some things were starting to open up a little bit again. And I was sitting in a Starbucks and I went and grabbed a coffee and I think I had 10 bucks in my wallet and cash. And, and I was like, Hey, like just for the next person or for the next like few people, just put that 10 bucks to, to their coffees. And the barista behind the counter went to the next person and said, Hey, the, somebody in front of you left $10 for your tab. Do you want to take advantage of that $10 or pass it to the next person? And it went 12 people before somebody actually used it. And I just thought that was so special. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We're human beings. You turn on the news and it's the whole world's burning down. And of course there are extreme challenges, obviously with some of the things going on in the world right now, but the world's pretty awesome too. And people are pretty awesome too. If we just try to change the lens on it, I think we can see that on a more consistent basis. But yeah, I think we're living in the greatest time in human history to be alive. And I am just grateful for you. 
that you just bring such a good energy and, and so much. And anyone that's listening to this, I truly recommend just giving uh, Ricky Mendes as a follow just because of his attitude and his philosophy on life. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world, but we have a lot to be grateful for at the same time. That takes us into our giving round. Some short, simple, sweet questions, short, simple answers from you. And one word answers. You ready? Yep. Go. Greg, on one charity that you like. I would say Pencils and Promise or Pencils and Promise. Who inspires you with their giving? David Meltzer. Do you think that entrepreneurs should start giving from day one or wait until they've seen some success and have some money in the bank? Tiny, small scale from day one. Awesome. Love that. Giving can also be in unique forms, pre-trainings, mentorships, things like that. What's one unique way that you give back? I would say one unique way I give back is when I'm unapologetic. So if somebody comes to me, I will listen. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do about it? So I'm not so coddling. I will listen, but I'm also in your face in terms of an optimism. So I can show you some routes. You can either join or get the hell out of my way. I love it. And your book, of course. Yeah. In one word, just describe the feeling that you get when you give. Grateful. Oh, layup. What's the <laughs> second? What's the second word? Oh, uh, when I give? Yeah. Empowered. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. And you can elaborate on this one a little bit if you want. But the final question we like to ask all of our guests, age-old question. Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? I believe 100% it can buy you happiness. Just depends on what we spend it on. So I think that just that seven bucks story that I told you that that bought me happiness because I saw how happy she was. If you got some homeless guy, when you give him five bucks to go buy something. Now, people always say, what if they go buy drugs? What if they go buy alcohol? It's not of my concern what they do with it. My job is to put good energy out there. I cannot be responsible for other people's actions. I can only be responsible on my perspective and what I do and what the intention behind that giving is. So in my opinion, what they do with it is irrelevant. I think that if it's in good intention, hopefully that I can hope and pray that goes in the same direction with them. Man, what a beautiful answer and what a beautiful human. We couldn't have been, we couldn't have been more excited to have you on this show, Ricky. I want to make sure that everyone gets an opportunity to learn from you or grow from you or check out more of what you're doing. So where can people find you or reach out to you or get a hold of you? Yeah, really. RickyMendez.com. Ricky Mendez Speaks is my Instagram. Ricky Mendez YouTube. It's R-I-C-K-Y and then M-E-N-D-E-Z. So any of that will, will work. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, continuing to inspire us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so that we can give bigger with our profits, bro. Thank you again and looking forward to chatting with you soon. Hell yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ricky. Take care, man. Right. Good. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can, and it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, Always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.